Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we sing and read the words on screen and we see through the storm, He is Lord. And I like that. I think many of us like knowing that. But then I read the words uh, uh, when we're weak, He is strong. And sometimes we don't like that as much because that, that calls us to not rely on our strength, but, but to be weak. And you will be strong. And your word says that clearly. That uh, in our weakness, in, in your people's weaknesses, uh, that you will be uplifted and uh, manifested and, and made known. So I pray, and particularly as, as I give this message, uh, may we be a people that, that don't rely on our own strength and are not afraid of, uh, of being weak. And showing our weakness. And that may be physical. It may, may be emotional. It may be things from the past, things we're going through that we can share and know that, uh, that you are Lord in all the storms, that you will come again. Uh, we only want to be dressed in your righteousness that you provided on the cross. So I pray that us as a people who gather at this corner uh, would know that it's okay to be weak because you will be strong and you will make us strong through our weaknesses. Thank you, Jesus, for your power and your power that's here right now in your name. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, Get cozy, not too cozy, as our our family minister, our kids, uh, go to their Sunday school classes. Thankful for them and our family ministry. Uh, you can take a Bible or open your Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, don't be afraid to get up. Take a Bible from the back table. Uh, that would be uh, our gift to you. Uh, we'd love to, to give you a Bible. But you can turn to John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be in a, uh, a very well-known story this morning, which is the woman at the well. Uh, John 4. Before we get into that, uh, we have uh, started a series, uh, kind of... Well, really, a spring series uh, or an Easter series, because Easter, uh, as I like to say, is not a day, uh, it's a season. Actually, in church history, Easter season went from Easter Day to Pentecost, which this year is May 15th. So we're doing this series uh, as an Easter series, and we're calling it A New, or A New, uh, because uh, Easter is life anew, but also, if you're a Christian, you're an Easter Christian, And that means we have a new life uh, in Christ. This series is based on one uh, simple verse. Some of you have probably uh, read over it. Simple yet very powerful. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. And we're going to put it up on screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Each Sunday through the series we'll, we'll highlight this. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, as I talked about earlier, abiding in Christ, being in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the idea of this series is, what does that look like? Uh, Easy to read through, easy to say, yet a new creation. 
a new person. What does that look like? What does that mean? Because the Bible tells us that is how we should be, and that's what Jesus gives to us. The old has passed away. The new has come. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at that and looking at uh, different facets of being a new. And so today we're talking about a new identity. Identity. Because all of us have identities, and a lot of times we will put our identities in things that the culture or world around us says are important. Uh, For example, I've had the opportunity to live uh, a couple different places uh, in the U.S., and I lived in Washington, D.C. for a few years, and people's identity, and not everybody, but generally, a lot of folks' identity in D.C. Uh, was based on how close are you to power. Uh, so what's your job or position? I mean, how close are you to a person of power? You know, you go out to restaurants or dinners or bars and say, well, I work for so-and-so. Uh, there was a lot underneath that. There was a lot to be read in between the lines about that. I uh, lived in Boston a couple of years, went to seminary in Boston, and people's identity there was really about how much they knew or how much they had, they had written or just how much knowledge they had acquired, how many degrees they'd, they'd gotten. I mean, some were you know, going to school for life. I mean, that was pretty common, honestly. Uh, I've never lived in New York City, but I have a friend who pastors in New York, and uh, honestly, I've been thinking about him a lot uh, in this sea, and it's a sea of, of cultural changes. Uh, in our nation and in a, in a culture like New York City. And, you know, he talks about, you know, that their church's fight against, is against identities of, one, money, I mean, Wall Street. Uh, another is, is artistically, culturally, you got Broadway. But everybody's putting their identity in, the, in these things of the world, in these idols. You could read Paul in, in uh, Athens, Acts 17 or 18. But everybody's putting their identity in these, in these things. So what, what would it be for us uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, or, or Metro Jackson? Uh, it could be a lot of things. Uh, and I put my identity often uh, in some of these things. Uh, one is, is family. Uh, I, was, I was up, it was my mom's birthday, so I was uh, up in uh, our hometown visiting family. And you know, I had a family gathering, and those are special. Those are important. Those are, are very, very good. Uh, but you can get a feel that, you know, the family puts their, their identity in, in the family, uh, in the heritage. Uh, that's very important for us, southern heritage, uh, that, that our identity is really based, rooted in these things. Uh, our kids, you know, I mean, our identity is, uh, is, is based in our, our kids. Somebody told me, uh, really, right when I moved to Jackson, and I still think about this, that Jackson's a breakfast town. Uh, you know, compared to, say, a D.C. or New York where a lot of work would get done, honestly, happy hour or, or dinners, Jackson's a breakfast town because 4.30, 5.36, you got kids' games or kids' activities. So, you know, we get off work early, but, you know, a lot of stuff's done at breakfast. And so our kids are a big part of identity. I mean, I, I'm battling this right now, you know, uh, as, a, as a coach, as a baseball coach. we got some... Some brothers here know what I'm talking about. Anybody want to say amen? I don't have to call you out, but, you know, we know, like, you know, our, our identity is like, you know, how our kids do. Not just our son, but our, our team. Uh, beauty. It's big identity here as well. You know, how, how we look, how we appear, 
uh, how our kids appear, how cute they are, how good-looking they are. Beauty is a big part of, of our identity. And um, sports in general, you know, whether you say, you know, I'm going to say both here, Hale State or Hottie Toddy or, or wherever you are, you know, that's, that's a big part of our identity. And then, uh, last but definitely not least, church. Church can be a big part of our identity. You know, I'm in this Bible study, you know, with these folks from, from this church or, you know, a group of folks from these churches. Or I, you know, went on this mission trip with this church or that church. Or I go to this church or look at what our church is doing. Church is really rooted in the culture where it can be our identity as well. I say that because I at least want to highlight some things that, that I struggle with. Uh, and I think we all struggle with. So what does it mean to have our identity in Jesus Christ? What does that mean? What does that look like? I could say it in different ways. I could say abiding in Christ. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when Jesus says, you know, I am the vine. It's in our Lent series. What does it mean when our identity is in Jesus? Because here's a little secret for all of us. If we're a Christian, that's actually what it's supposed to be like. Our identity begins and ends in, in Jesus. So now I think that a good way of figuring out or seeing what that might look like is, is looking at how Jesus was in Scripture. So, you know, we don't have a, a lot of time today, but we're going to look at uh, uh, a story I love, passage I love, which is the woman uh, at the well. So John 4, and uh, because of time, I'm not going to read the entire uh, story, which really trickles through all of John 4. But I'm going to start in uh, verse 7, and we're going to read down through verse 26. And this is a conversation that Jesus has uh, with a woman who definitely does not put her identity in Christ. And so I want us to, uh, after we read the passage, I want to try to look through the eyes of Jesus... And you may say, well, I'm not Jesus. We're not Jesus. But if we're a Christian, we are called to grow like Jesus and to become more like Jesus. We're going to start trying to look through the eyes of Jesus to this woman and to others like her in our lives. And then we're going to look through the eyes of the woman to Jesus. Because some of you are, I'm thankful you're here, but you're coming from her perspective. So anyway, let's let's read God's word. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. 
Jesus said, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Uh, The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. We'll stop right there. So let's first try to look through the eyes of Jesus, both to this woman and to others uh, like her. Uh, First off, you know, Jesus, there's an important lesson here that I actually did not read because it's really the back story. Jesus went through Samaria, and he didn't really have to. Uh, But Samaria was a very different place, different world, different culture, different race. The Samaritans and the Jews despised each other. Jesus intentionally uh, went through Samaria. Jesus also, think about this, he didn't have to hang at the well while the disciples went to buy food. He, He could have gone with them. He could have gone into the city. He stayed because I believe in his divine knowledge, he knew this interchange, this conversation would take place, and he wanted it to happen as an example, even for us today, about his love for folks who were vastly uh, different and calling them to him. So Jesus, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He didn't have to talk to this different woman, yet he intentionally chose to do so. Uh, Before going further, that right there is a a powerful lesson uh, for this church. You as this church, as people, uh, for people of Jesus' church all over the world. And that is, is Jesus pushes us outward. He does. And if we abide in Christ, if our identity is in Him, then we follow Jesus. And we look at what He did in His Word, and we do the same. And when we can't, then we look to him for help. So two examples right now, one local, one global, would be, you know, we've talked about span. Some of you probably are getting sick of hearing that, but you're going to hear it over and over again. Uh, our radical group, we have a small group that I lead called Radical. And this week, uh, one of the folks in the group looked up uh, the worst public school districts in the country. Uh, Jackson uh, came in uh, in that glorious position of number two, Jackson Public Schools. Like, who beat us? Las Vegas. Interesting place, Vegas. Jackson, interesting place, too, that uh, we are living in. This you know, one of the uh, main newspapers or periodicals, but public school system, uh, second worst in the country. Uh, and Span's actually a good school, uh, actually. But so... I think God calls us, he pushes us uh, to, to be around, to, to talk to, to minister to, to love on 
to serve uh, those that, let me be frank, that, that we can be uncomfortable with. And, and it's easy, I talked about identity here, because our identity, me too here, can be primarily rooted in, you know, nice family, family values, good looking, uh, athletic, sports, white picket, all of that deal, you know, leading on to, you know, our idea of the picture perfect life. And Jesus, that's, that's just not the Jesus we see uh, in the Bible and in the gospel message. And so we're trying to do little things, take little steps uh, to go to the world uh, to love our neighbors. Uh, another example globally is, uh, you know, we've talked about Honduras. We always go to Honduras, but I want to use India because, like, the Lord really opened a door to India, and, like, I, I really want to go to India. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not, frankly, Italy. I mean, it's not Europe. It's not, it's not Argentina. It's, I mean, it's not even Latin America. And God just really clearly, several years ago, threw uh, an Indian gentleman who was here and still comes in and out. He, he moved. But really opened a door, and I remember talking about this to my wife. Like, you know, just, you know, I'm not all jazzed up on this because it's a, it's a tough place and I'm uncomfortable. First, I've been to India three times. My first trip, it was, um, I, really, I literally had an experience. I've never said this before or since. I literally had an experience of like, this is hell, okay? Like, like where I was, what, like this is hell, okay? I know, big plug to go to India there. But yet, God pushes us, and I've gone two times since. So I'm, no, I'm never going back. I've been twice since. And we've had more go, and I, I say that because I, you know, people say, hey, don't forget India, and we're not forgetting India. We're going to go. And I've seen people who are like, you know, I'd never go, and they go. And I talk to people who went once, I want to go back. So, you know, the Lord works in these powerful yet mysterious ways. He pushes us outward. It's just, it's just who he is. There's, yeah, that's all you can really say about it. But then let's get to the woman, okay? So Jesus went to Samaria. He had this conversation. Here comes this woman, the woman at the well. And I'll be honest, I've always pictured this woman. Uh, y'all, y'all may laugh, y'all may not laugh. I mean, this may totally just be, you may think, that's stupid. But anyway, you can. I've always picked, but being honest, I've always pictured this woman. You might know the actress Ashley Judd. Okay, everybody knows Ashley Judd. I think she's a great actress. She doesn't do as many movies. She was in this picture, this movie, early on. And she played this, uh, this girl. She was still, you know, I mean, looking young, vivacious. But she played this lady uh, more or less like living in a trailer park and looked real, I mean, I'm going to use these words, dirty, skanky, uh, chain-smoked. Uh, no offense to y'all. They might, I used to smoke, okay? Put that down. But anyway, I mean, really. And I did, okay? But she like smoking all the time and just like, and... I've always pictured the woman in the well in that character. Uh, and I think that was who this woman was like. And Jesus here, you know, goes into this conversation with her. And he, um, he ministers to her. And, and I think about that for us uh, in that the people who, um, you know, don't fit the type, uh, don't look, you know, in what would make us just comfortable or you know, hey, I want to be their friend. You know, do we at least engage, or are we interested in their life? And I think the key verse here, I can't really go through the entire passage, but I really want to highlight one key verse. And this is how Jesus ministers to her in a simple way. And I believe it's our call too. It's John four sixteen. Simple verse. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. You're like, 
What do you mean by that? Well, first, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. Because if you, if you read, and you really read through the passage, the woman's wanting to hide her sin. She, she's, talking, she's literally like talking theology here. You know, like oh, our ancestors and like worship, spirit, and truth. I mean, she's really trying to gloss over. And Jesus, in a, in a very soft way, gets to the heart. And he says two things in this one verse. Go, call your husband. He knows. She's been married five times. She's shacking the guy now. I mean, he knows. But he's getting to the heart of, of her deal. And, and I think as Christians, you're like, how is that a lesson for us? I mean, I, I think if we look with the eyes of Jesus, if we are, as we claim to be, a new creation, then, then we are going to do like Jesus went. He went where he didn't have to go. He engaged with a person he didn't have to engage in. He started talking. And he softly got to know about her. He, he knew she was blowing smoke about all this. And he says, go, call your husband. And at a point, at a point we want to be, I call it convictional kindness. Like, there is a point where you're like, you know, you know, what is going on in your heart? For her, it was the, these relationships. Probably a sex issue. I mean, it's def- five huts, serial adulterer, serial divorcer. But he was kind about it, and, and we can be too in, in his power. But then he says, not just go, he says, come here. So for that, to me, that means that the gospel, Jesus... A new creation is not just for those who, who look the part or look great or even who are living with the perfect family values. But Jesus is saying, come here. You know, I'm, I'm for you, woman at the well. You know, I'm for you, chain-smoking, you know, lady that lives at the trailer, um, serial divorcer. I'm for you. And we got to communicate, you know, guys... Gals, you got to communicate that message. Jesus for, Jesus for you. He says, come here. Go call your husband. Come here. And so that, that's a powerful message for me, for us, for our church, for who we want to be. And I want to use some examples of like others that we can, we can minister to, we can reach to. Uh, I'll tell you a, a really quick story. Uh, one of my proudest moments, pride is definitely a sin, but one of my proudest moments uh, in the history of the life of this church, I was, uh, I was sitting with some members having a nice dinner a few months back. And, and they said, you know, we've got to tell you this story that uh, we're driving by the church. So, you know, on the corner out here. And the other person that this member was riding with, who's not a member, the person who's not a member, they drove by and said, oh, yeah, there's the church. And y'all are going to love this. Or you may hate this. Or you may hate me for saying this. But anyway, I've got to say it. It's one of my proudest moments. Drove by the church. And the person who's not a member said, oh, yeah, that's the church where all the rejects end up. And I love that. I love that. And then the, the person who's a member, like, I go to that church. And they're, you know, they're like friends. And I was like, that's just awesome. And, you know, that, that, you know if we're known like that, hallelujah. Because uh, we're not playing the game. And to be fair, I mean, a lot of folks have right intentions. A lot of folks in church and churches fall into playing the game. And, and it just, you know, it, it is what it is. And so, <clears throat> y'all are not rejects, by the way. Okay? Hear me on that. But, hey, then, you know, uh, me or we elders are the chief rejects. So, you know, we'll just live into that. But, 
Anyway, that is uh, that's what was said. And I was thinking about that, about how we want to minister to to other types of folks. And so I really, you know, want to push this on, on my life and others. So a couple of examples of, you know, folks who just don't look the part. One is, uh, and I don't really talk about this much, and, you know, I'm not going to a lot, but April is um, Autism Awareness Month. And, you know, I wasn't planning on even this being in the sermon, but then I was like, you know, I need to at least address that one month. And near and dear to my heart, our middle son Logan is on the spectrum. My wife didn't know I'm, you know, going to say this. But, you know, I came across an article yesterday. I was kind of just doing devotional time. And the article is how churches can minister uh, to families that are dealing with autism. It's like, wow, that's me. That's us. And I thought about that as us as a body. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, in the South, we want to be nice. We want to step on toes. And that's why, I mean, our, our posture is always like, you know, I mean, we're very open about it. I mean, Logan doing great, love him, everything, but, you know, people want to be respectful, and so I'm, I'm giving y'all the, the freedom here, like, you know, I mean, you just be open, you know, ask anything, ask anything, uh, but, because that's one thing that the article said, just like, be open about it, and now we have other families that we've got to know in the community of, you know, the spectrum community, and by the way, I'm probably on the spectrum as well, you know, some of y'all have figured that out by now, but anyway, so, for real, but anyway, it is genetic. Uh, so, the uh, a lot of the families we've gotten to know have you know begun trickling in and stuff. I Man, I want to be a church. That's definitely someone who does not fit the type. And that article spoke to me. I want to be a church that ministers families of just special needs kids, special needs families. Uh, we do know we're learning like that new normal, and it's a new normal, and others are too. And we want to be a church that embraces that and leads those them to Christ, all of them. Uh, another uh, big topic, I'm going to use three, and they're all tied to sexuality, because identity is so much into uh, sexuality, I believe. We don't say it, but it really is. Same-sex attraction, uh, I've preached on it before, i preached on it again, open about it, and, and a lot of folks, a lot of folks, uh, deal with that, and they're conflicted about that, and, you know, I really believe that uh, we need to be a church uh, with convictional kindness, but yet really loves and serves brothers and sisters uh, that, that deal with same-sex attraction. I mean, it's a, it's a real deal. Obviously, it's in uh, the conversation over the last couple of weeks, and will continue to be, but who are, who are we known as? Do we, you know, do we love the brother and sister uh, that's struggling with this? I'm, I'm reading a lot on Christian responses to same-sex attraction right now, because I think it, is, it will be the defining issue of my lifetime, like culturally. And I want us as a church to be known as, you know, the same as Jesus, the woman at the well. I mean, because so many of these folks just do not feel they have a place, do not feel safe in a church. Uh, they feel the things that the culture will do and say speaks against them. And, and you know, Jesus wants to minister to love and serve, even, get this, even when some would call us bigots, because they are, and I do believe that will grow. I mean, when you look at a biblical sexual ethic, but again, what's our posture? That person that will call me a bigot, probably one day, I'm going to love and serve them very humbly, very gently, love and serve them over and over and over again. 
Uh, moving on, let me say this. Uh, a serial divorcer, that means divorce more than one time, you know. And I know some of these folks, and they've talked to me about this, like, man, I really don't want to be divorced twice. A woman at the well, you know, five husbands. But do we love and embrace them? Are they, or do we, you know, do we put a scarlet letter on them, you know, in our minds? Should love and embrace them. Uh, another person, you know, again, and, and I've heard this before in ministry, those who are, uh, we're married in our heart. You ever heard that? We're married in our heart. I mean, this whole deal, you know, what, it's a, you know this whole conversation, this argument about marriage, we're married in our heart. Uh, we have had uh, folks come through our doors uh, in that place. So cohabitation, are we loving and serving them? Are we, are we going to these people who do not feel that the white church on the corner that looks pretty, they, that they inside feel too dirty to enter into those doors? You know, who, who are we? Well, we're supposed to be a new creation with a new identity. And I'm just trying to show us how the church reaches the world and I'm not saying, you know, a person is changed or converted overnight. That is possible. But when they see our love and they see that we are committed to God's word, we are convicted about the gospel. And yet we're kind in it. And, and we have a soft posture. And we have a lean, we have a lean in posture. I've always said, you know, the, your posture is either, yeah, yeah, I got gotcha, you, or I know that, or just no. Or it's leaning in. Do we have a lean-in posture? Trying to look through the eyes of Jesus. And now just, just close in a couple minutes. Real quick. The eyes of the woman at the well. Because some of y'all would be in her position. Like some of y'all are like, I, I don't have a new identity. I, I don't, I'm not a new creation yet. Uh, you may you say you are and, and try to play the part because of living in the Bible Belt or 39211 or wherever it is, but like you really, deep down, you're like, I'm not there. So I just ask, like, where's your identity? Because a big part is, is really identifying, you know, what your identity is. Is it, is it your looks? Is it beauty? Uh, is it your education where you go to school? Is it sports? Is it athletic ability? Is it your kids? Is it your church? Really, like, is, is Bellwether your identity? And then look at Jesus. Look how he responds. He, said, he always says, go and come here. Jesus said, I'm for you. And so many of us can have our identity in other things. And I just you know, challenge y'all to really look at Jesus. He can change your life in a moment. And so I think, uh, just closing real quick. Um, I love this illustration. I don't know where. I know I, I couldn't have thought of it like on my own, but I, so I've heard I had to see somebody do it again just on the spectrum moment there. But anyway, so we're all hard fists. We are all hard fists. And the message of the gospel is that Jesus comes over us. The power of the Lord is, is greater than us. And so it comes over us. And a lot of us just stay like this, we try to move and we're just like this and the fist is going to stay hard. And then sometimes it's just, you can just tell it's just like this, but it's, it's just opening up and it's still, you just open up a little bit, you're just kind of fluttering almost. Like, but, but salvation, a new creation, goes from a hard fist and then you're open-handed 
and this is, this is your new identity. This is your new life. You know, you're rooted. You're one. You're abiding in Christ. And you can't move, you know, and he's with you. So, man, I'd, I'd, I'd plead with you. I mean, because some of you are here in your hard fists. It's hard fists. Some of you are just, you're, you're fluttering, you know. Just, just open Just look at the gospel message. I mean, that's, that's all we want to proclaim here. Like, real deal. Just being, being real, being authentic. Like, we're weak. I'm weak. I'm broken. That's Christ. And the goal, the result, last thing I'll say. What's the goal? The goal's in Scripture here. The goal for, if you say I'm a new creation, I really have a new identity, I'm looking through the eyes of Jesus, then the goal is, I believe, to be John 3.16 people. We know that verse. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Gospel. Be John 3.16 people in a John 4.16 world. Because there are a lot of women at the wells. 4.16 world is saying, go and come. You know, at a point, grow in a relationship where you can get to the heart. What's your identity? Come to Jesus. That's, that's my goal. One of my goals for life, for my life. If you're not looking through the eyes of Jesus, if you're saying, I'm not a new identity, then I think a great goal would be what happens to the woman at the well. If you look in your Bible, if you still have your Bible open, John 4, verse 28, says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town, and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So first, it's like, man, this is so powerful. This is so real. This is so not of this world. I do want to tell folks. So other people's come. And then it doesn't stop there. Verse 39, many Samaritans, many different people who were yet to be a new creation, a new identity, from that town, believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. See, at the end of the day, Jesus will tell you all you've ever done, and he'll say, it's okay. I will save you, says Jesus, from past guilt, from your present doubts, and from your future worry. It's the gospel, what we want to proclaim there are a lot of people that need to hear that. And they need to hear it in a way that they can receive it. So if you have the eyes of Jesus, your new identity, our call is clear. And if you're not, then his message is clear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We praise you. We do. Just help us live as you would, that we are convicted of the gospel and yet have this heart for the world, not to, not to be of the world, but definitely to minister in the world and, and connect and reach people who need to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.